this is the company that I want to be with like forever. Like I'm not going anywhere. People that run our company, you know, Dave Bush, Jim Sit, they're just all about family and relationships. So it's a really great place to be. I've never once wanted to leave and I'm not going anywhere. Sometimes you just know that you're in the right spot. As an 18-year-old single mom, Alicia Anderer was welcomed, accepted, and supported at Vector and Cutco. The flexibility of Cutco's sales rep position enabled her to raise two kids largely on her own while building a very successful professional career. Now, as a sales leader and mentor who impacts others throughout the company, Alicia is welcoming and supporting others to achieve some of the same success that she has achieved. This is a great story of Alicia's journey from teen mom to sales leader, guest hosted by her longtime mentor and friend, Trent Booth. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. All right, our episode today, we have Alicia Andrer. She is a career sales professional with Vector. She's sold over $2.7 million worth of Cutco. In fact, back in 2016, was doing about $200,000 a year, which is awesome. But uh, this past year, $455,000. In fact, the first rep in Northeast region history to hit 400K competitive. So very excited to have you here today, Alicia. Thanks for having me. Excited to share my story with you guys. So just diving right in, how did you find out about the job? In 2004, I uh, saw a newspaper ad for the job, actually, and uh, it was advertised as customer service and sporting goods. So I was like, all right, I play a lot of sports. Let me check this out. Went in for the interview, noticed all the trophies in there, and I'm like, man, they must be really good at selling, you know, doing these sports. And that's what, what that was my take on it. And obviously, by the end of the interview, I realized that it was Cutco and the sporting goods we do sell, which are considered as our sporting knives. But I was one of those reps fired up after my interview, called on my friends, my mom and everyone to share. But yeah, that started off the newspaper ad. Can't believe it. And uh, whose who's office did you start with? Now you're in the, the South Jersey, Philadelphia area. Who was your manager? Mike Habucky was my recruiting manager and my original manager for, and was about five to six years, I think, my manager, which was great. And Drew Frank was my pilot manager at the time, too, back when he was you know, in college at Penn State. So I had uh, some two rock star managers starting off. It's an easy thing to forget that you've had both Mike Habucky, you know, Hall of Fame member, and, and Drew Frank, you know, perennial number one Silver Cup champion, uh, as early influences for you. Who were some of your other uh, early mentors or, or leaders that influenced you? 
You know, there's so many people, but like looking back, I think, you know, Mara Fausto, now Mara Berghoff was definitely one of those powerhouse female leaders in our company. I know she was the first woman to sell a million dollars as an office. And she took me under her wing right away, learned so much from her, just how to be a a strong, independent woman. And um, I learned so much from her and she was uh, still a great friend. And so she's someone that definitely comes to mind. Obviously my manager, Mike Kobucky, I mean, he was, he helped me get through so many different hardships in Cutco and outside of Cutco. And I think about uh, Drew Frank, just his leadership and professionalism is something I still think about, you know, even when he was a 19 year old uh, manager, I learned a lot from him. There's a, a whole bunch of other people, but I would say one of my first coaches when I was 20 was John Berghoff. And um, that was like a game changer for me to really invest my money into somebody that was investing into me and teaching me, you know, helping me grow, think outside the box. And so John Berghoff was like my first ever mentor, technically, that paying mentor, you know. Sure. Like yeah. coach mentor relationship there. Alicia, let's take it back even further. When you started, uh, how old were you and and what was kind of remarkable in your life at that time? So when I started Vector, I was 18, 2004, November 2004. So that was, yeah, right out of high school. I was in um, college at the time, Camden County College, playing soccer as a goalie, which was cool. And uh, I went to school for health and exercise science, actually. So unrelated to sales at all, uh, which is cool. And uh, what was unique and and, uh, exciting at the time was when I started with Cutco, I had a one-year-old. So I was 18 with a one-year-old at the time, which was very unique and not really heard of. But, you know, that was the story. That's how I started. There probably wasn't a lot of other moms there, uh, 18, with you in the training seminar. So (laughs) as you look around, there's probably not a lot that kind of are like you in that moment. Tell me a little bit about kind of what that was like being a a young mom. I mean, a really young mom. Really young mom. Yes. So obviously, I mean, you can imagine it wasn't very easy. I was already working another job at the time when I started with Cutco, working a lot to support my son, Ethan. And it was just hard because I was still in school, still working, still taking care of Ethan. So I was just struggling like 15 different plates at the time. So I think it was hard for all those reasons. But it was great finding Vector. I feel like it was like a blessing in disguise at the time because Vector is really what supported me the most in my in my life and to be able to uh, raise my kids and be there for them and also financially be able to support them. So it was a blessing in disguise, I like to call it. I mean, the reality is even in 2004, society isn't quite to the point where a teen mom is celebrated. There's a lot of looks, a lot of sideways looks there and, and uh you know, if I'm you, that that's a hard that's a hard season of life there. You know, yes. even if it's good, that can be a really difficult thing, even socially there. So, how did you navigate again being a, a young mo- teen mom, mm-hmm. right? Uh, young entrepreneur selling knives. How did you navigate that? I imagine you had some support both at uh, at home. Yeah. So I think, you know, I definitely got the looks every time I would take my son to daycare, you know, you always get the moms and dads look, look, you know, giving that look or whispering and you just had to kind of just look the other way. But one thing with vector that I noticed, I've never, I never felt that in vector, you know, my manager was great. Let me bring Ethan to the office, phone times, team meetings, I never felt judged when I was, you know, in the office or with other fellow Cutco reps. So that was one thing where I felt safe. I felt like I could be myself. I felt like people weren't staring at me, talking about me, which I don't think they were, you know, like they just accepted me for who I was and supported me, which was great, which was something I really needed, obviously being an 18 year old mom. (laughs) 
you know, as I hear you share that, I'm just, I'm celebrating just uh, what is real about our company. And, you know, I've known you for a long time and I knew that you were a young mom when you started here, but I never would have put that together. I never would have said there's a direct line correlation for you between, hey, being a young mom and not feeling judged and actually finding a tribe, finding a place where I fit in and I'm, and I'm, uh, not only fitting in, I'm being celebrated, mm-hmm. you know, in certain ways and being able to have that type of uh, family life there while finding your way. Tell me a little bit more about uh, your mom there and, and her influence there. You being a young mom and, and having a mom that's supporting you. Yeah, my mom um, was a single mom herself, you know, so I've never met my dad and don't have any siblings. So my mom raised me on her own. So she she was all in, you know, just wanted to help as much as she could. And I lived at home for a little while. And even when I moved out, she was still watching and raising the kids and stuff for me. And her personality definitely is still in my children. Like I can tell like, you know, where they get it from was from my mom and she would do it, whatever she could to help me as much as possible, which was great. And of course my friends, like my high school friends, like they were lifesavers, you know, they getting very creative, like I'll buy you Burger King. If you can watch the kids or like, you know, we got really, they were, they were just so hands-on with helping and being there for me, which is really special. So 2004, I mean, now we're 16 years later, like flash oh forward. God. It's that it's been that long, at least 15 and a half. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you see yourself being a, a here as a career? Is that something that occurred to you earlier? Or how did you wind up being a, a career sales professional? Yeah. So no, I did not think I'd be selling knives 15 years later. When I first started, I remember, you know, how some managers hold the, you know, the, I wouldn't say best person, but you know, they hold the person they have the most hopes for, I guess, to the the last person in the interview, sure. right. To have the one-on-one. And I was that last person and Hobucky talked to me about, you know, becoming a manager and I was so excited and that was my goal for a long time. So when I started you know, I had my fast start, not a great fast start, but I dove right in. I kept going, hit FSM in like three months. And and then uh, my goal was to open an office when I hit 150,000 in career sales, hmm. 150 grand. Yeah. And then once I hit 150 grand, it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm loving this. I'm, I'm on fire. Like, let me just keep going. I'll do it when I hit 250. And then once I hit 250, I was like, oh, you know what? I really love the sales position. I'm just going to keep going with it. And that's when I actually decided to not focus on any management, just go all in on the sales field. It's just fun hearing you talk about this. When when did you finally uh, hit 200 for the first time? So, I mean, as you're, as you're working, you make half. I mean, so those first few years, was it after working with Berghoff? Is that kind of the correlation? You know, I think so. Uh, I believe... The first time I hit 200 was around 2012, maybe around there. So um, it was when I really committed to being like full time. And I mean, keep in mind, 2012, there was, you know, 100 doing 100 grand was pretty awesome. There was like four people on stage doing that. So it it was really exciting once I committed full time and to see what I was able to do. And I know that uh, your daughter, Aaliyah, what, what year was she born? Aaliyah was born 2006. So I was 20 years old when I had Aaliyah. So Ethan was two, and then I had my daughter at 20. So you've got two kids under two, right? You're a young <laughs> professional. You hadn't quite shipped 100 yet. That's that's a lot, man. So from what I understand, that delivery was not easy either. No, actually. So I was always, you know, very healthy. You know, Ethan was an emergency C-section because of umbilical cord, you know, um, which everything was fine with that. 20 They said, because you had a C-section, let's just plan your next one. So that was planned. And, you know, that day when I went in, I felt off. And I told my mom, I was like, you know, I'm getting prepped for surgery. I'm like, Mm -hmm. something's not right. Like, I just feel off. 
And she brought the nurse in and told the nurse. And she was like, well, if you don't want to do it now, we'll have to push you off for another week or two. And I'm like, you know, being nine months pregnant, I'm like, never mind. Let's just do this. Let's do this. And turns out during surgery, I had uh, congestive heart failure and my heart stopped and I almost died on the table giving birth to my daughter. So that was um, a very scary time because I've never had any health problems in my life ever. Turns out it was because they just prepped me with too much fluid bags. You know, they gave me four times more than they were supposed to. So all the fluid filled my lungs up and put too much pressure on my heart. And um, so that was a very, very scary time. I was in the hospital for a long time after that recovering. I was going to say that that's a recovery time that, again, as an entrepreneur, when you're not working, you're not, you're not making money. So how did you... What kind of got you through, not only just emotionally and having a brush with death, but again, a new mom, single mom at that point? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So um, I don't honestly know what got me through. Like thinking back at that time, it was just very scary and I was in survival mode. And if I had to think back, it was just friends and family like supporting me and being there and Vector being able to work more when I could. And, you know, just if I was like, okay, I actually need to make up some money from all that time missing, I was able to just work more and make more. So I think a a mixture of that is how I got through it. But um, it definitely was scary because when I, you know, got discharged from the hospital, they were like, okay, well, if you ever feel pressure in your chest or short of breath, come back to the hospital. So I left there like, Oh my gosh, I'm st- something. Am I a time bomb? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anytime I felt, you know, and everyone, you know, indigestion, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> something's wrong. You know, so I actually, that created a whirlwind of anxiety. And I actually started getting panic attacks from that because I would just think out my, I thought my heart was going to just stop at any time. So it was a very scary time of my life health wise. So walk me through how that leads to you running an ultra marathon in 2009. <laughs> so this is what's crazy is that this is a, I know you well. I mean, we've coached for a number of years, Alicia, and at no point do I see any of this adversity defining who you are. It certainly contributes, I think, to your courage, and, and we can see kind of that it's contributed to your your identity, you overcoming that adversity, but at no point is there ever like a victim mentality. You go from having congestive heart failure, almost dying, uh, giving birth to Aaliyah. Three years later, you're running a 52-mile marathon. How does that even happen? <laughs> A little crazy. I um so good friend John Roman. A lot of you guys listening know John. You obviously have done the ultra marathon as well. So front row started from an ultra marathon pretty much. And at that time he was looking for more people to follow that run the 52 miles for front row. And I'm like, I'll do it, you know, loving the front row foundation so much and wanting to do something that would push myself. I signed up immediately and got to run with my good friend, like Hal Elrod and James Hill and Fabian, which was really cool. They flew out from California to run, but obviously just going through all that stuff, the health things going on when I was 20 to now like 23, you know, like, should I do this? Like that is this safe? But I was at the point where like three years went by and I just decided to not believe the doctor, I guess. And I said, if I can run 50 miles, then I'm okay. And so I, I did it. And I shocked myself for sure. I didn't train very well. The farthest I trained beforehand was nine miles. That was the max I've ever ran. And I remember actually you, you were like, you shouldn't do it. Like, don't, <laughs> you shouldn't, you shouldn't do it. And I was like, but I already raised money. I'm committed. I, I got to. And, and like, I, yeah. What a great coach. Well, it was smart. Cause just I quit. stop. No, well, it was because of the, you know, 50 miles, like just to go off and do that wasn't smart. Like, obviously I couldn't like walk afterwards. Like none of us could, you know, I think Hal got wheelchair to the airport, you know, <laughs> 50 yeah. miles is not ideal, especially if you don't train, but, but I got third and I realized like, okay, I'm all right. 
you know, and I, I started being able to manage my anxiety and panic attacks after that. And I'm really just taking full control over my, my health and not listening to anybody else tell me, you know, what I could or could not do. I just love hearing your stories, Alicia. It's just, this is fun. You having fun? I'm having a great time. All right. This is good. We'll keep going then. Listen, at what point then did you make that transition to career sales professional? You mentioned that a little bit earlier, like, hey, I got serious and I was considering management for a while. And then I made this decision to make this uh, the career. Uh, what kind of led to that decision? And and then you, you created things like Showstoppers, which is, I mean, at this point, nationally renowned in our company uh, for events, teams, et cetera. So why don't you walk us through a little bit about how you've uh, achieved what you have so far in the events world? Sure. Yeah. So I, um, I really just really got a little, uh, spoiled. I almost would say with the schedule, the schedule is what sold me on the sales position. Having two kids, I didn't want to be working too much. And I obviously starting any business, you have to kind of grind in the beginning. And I just, I was getting spoiled in the sense where I could just work around my kids schedule. And I love that. I still love that. You know, I coached all their sports, soccer, lacrosse, basketball, softball. Like, you know, I was able to do all that because of vector and the CSP schedule. I was able to um, bring them on trips, you know, because I would work extra hard to like make more money. And that's what, you know, the sky's the limit when you're in sales. If you need to make more, just go work more. Like that's awesome. We don't have a a ceiling. So that's what got me to be like, okay, career sales is my, is my path here. You know? So it was a good work life balance for me. I was able to be the PTA mom. I felt like I was a stay at home mom. Like I was, I made all their meetings. I did their trips, chaperoning, you know? So I was, I was able to do all that because of the CSP opportunity, the event program, man, that is the program that's kept a lot of people around early on. Mike Bucky, my manager at the time kind of threw me into events early, which I appreciated early meeting. I was at 50 grand in sales, which actually now you, you can start at like 10 grand. So it wasn't early then, but um, for me, I was still young and I dove in and I remember the Philadelphia home show, the biggest home show in our territory is like, yeah, why don't you go run that? Like, sure. Okay. I got this. And that was the first show I ever coordinated. And with the help of uh, Steve Porzik actually, and Miriam Leatherman, they came to the show and helped me set up. They helped write up orders. They were like hands-on, like, let's do this together. And man, that was that was the start of the event program for me. I think I was the first ever actual coordinator in the region, which is kind of cool. And since then, you know, I've worked in, I've coordinated, let's see, Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, New York, promoted three other event coordinators and trained, I mean, hundreds of people. So it's been a really fun dynamic because I was able to get what I wanted in management of building a team, recruiting, like kind of just taking people under your wing and helping them like be their best as well. I was able to take that part of management and put it into being a coordinator with the event team. And um, so that was, that's kind of what made me dive in with CSP and the event program. So touching on that uh, coordinator, just for some of the uninitiated or if, if there are alumni listening there, it's mm-hmm. been years and events weren't even a thing when they left, <laughs> no. much less somebody coordinating. Walk me through a day in the life of a regional coordinator or even a divisional coordinator. It is so different now. Yeah. So before my time, I heard that event program was let's just get leads and let, let's not sell. You know, like that's crazy to think going from that to now we're doing events without even having knives out. We're literally selling based off concepts and using like the trifolds and just blue books pretty much, you know, and not having physical knives. We're not cutting food anymore like we used to. So our interactions with our customers are a lot quicker and our average order is like 
so much higher. I mean, the big sets back then were, you know, the ultimate was like 2000 bucks. Now we're selling $10,000 kitchens, you know, and that's normal. That's not even that like far out there. Business gifts, you know, having like a 10, 20, 30, 40 K order at the booth. So it's really cool to just see how the event program has progressed over the years. But as a coordinator, it really is a a full-time position that has been recognized by the company. We are supported by the company. We have our own like summit, which has been really exciting. And our president Al was there all day, all night, like stayed the entire time for us coordinators. I thought that was amazing, but it really is a true position, not just something like, Oh, go run these events, you know, like Dave Juba, we promoted him. He literally picked up his life from New Jersey, moved to Connecticut, you know, relocated his whole life to build a program in Connecticut. And Josh Resizer is doing that now in Maryland. Like it's like a legit job. And it's pretty exciting to see that and the support we have for that. So you've had a number of, of people kind of that have been under your wing and you've helped develop them and they work with Dave Bush and, mm-hmm. and the, and the team up in Olean there. So, uh, when I say a day in the life of a coordinator, then they are finding shows or who's finding these shows for you guys to work. Uh, that's, it's kind of hard to say that because every coordinator is at a different level as, as a coordinator. When I was hands-on as a divisional coordinator, I was pretty much at the point where I could delegate almost everything, you know, and just really be working with my top guys on the team. And, you know, I was delegating, finding shows, all the admin work, all that stuff, all the training and everything. So, but then coordinators that are starting off, they're doing it all themselves, you know? So it's really hard to say what, what they're doing. It just depends on, but I will tell you that whatever that people think coordinators do like times that by like a hundred. And then, cause there's so many little things that you don't think about. It's not just run meetings, run trainings and, you know, put in booking request forms. There's a lot of little things that go in there, you know, putting out fires, the drama on the team, like just the vision, always having to sit back and think about, okay, how can we get better? How can we, you know, grow the team just like a manager does, you know, just like a district manager does. That's what I view the coordinator role. So I'm excited to see your influence is about to expand. So we've been enjoying you up here in the Northeast for a number of years, but uh, my understanding is that we're taking you national now. Walk us through that. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, after all these years of uh, uh, divisional coordinating, I stepped down uh, last year and uh, promoted Brandon Wynn to take over the Jersey Showstoppers, which has been great. And I took a step back because I wanted to see if I could help more people in a sense. I realized that a lot of the top coordinators weren't feeling like they, you know, had a good vision or maybe didn't feel like as supported or just needed someone to talk to and bounce ideas off of. And I brought it up to John Keen and Dave Bush and, you know, Josh Muller has been doing it for a couple of years, but he's one person. So I was like, you know, I asked them, I said, Hey, here's my proposal. I would love to help other fellow coordinators company wide. And they were like, Oh yeah, let's do this. And it's been a great experience so far. It's still new, but I'm having uh, so many great one-on-one calls with coordinators across the company and really just planning out like strategically planning different systems and, um, you know, just great ideas that they already have. And everyone's at different, different levels. So it's been a fun experience to learn where they're at, but, um, but yeah, it's been really exciting. I'm glad you got that role. That's it's going to help a lot of people. That's great. I also just want to acknowledge that uh, I mean, my daughter started selling in in your division this past year, and uh, actually not even in your division, but in the area. And the fact that you were able to take her under your wing and and it would be very easy somebody at your level to just be kind of just dealing with the top end people, but uh, you know, to for Katie to count you as a mentor and for her to shadow uh, an event or two with you this past year has really been amazing. I know she appreciates it, and I would say as a 
as a, as a parent, I, I appreciate there's people in our company that the culture is to continue to help each other because there's more than enough to go around. What would you say to just some of your philosophies there on, on why you're helping people? That is my favorite part of that's why I was a coordinator for so long. Cause I felt like I had a part of their success and a, a part of helping them push themselves to be better and be their best selves. And I think it's so great that we all have that opportunity here in vector, you know, like we can, no matter where you're at in your business, you can mentor someone and help other people. And so I have a, I have a strong passion for that. I will say I do have a strong passion for women to support that all the females in our business, well, in and out, but you know, sales are usually that it seems from the outside, it's a lot of men. And so many guys in our company are so supportive of like, let's build these women up and make them feel great. And that's just like my passion is to help as many women in, as possible, especially in our business, especially moms. You know, like I, I think back, like if I didn't have certain people in my life at 17, like I don't know if I would have made it this far, you know? So helping young moms, helping young uh, women in our company has been a true passion for me and just letting, building a community where they can feel safe and supported and just to talk. And, you know, like I just, I kind of missed that a little bit. Like I had like Mara and Margo and which they were amazing, but now we have like, powerhouse team here in vector to support all these women so so that's my big passion is really the females in our business and just supporting and building that community here well shout out to uh, margo myers now paula castor right yes. if i got that right yes. hey margo how you doing I mean, it's exciting just to see a, a place where uh, where women can thrive and they can they can kind of have a great lifestyle with their kids and still become a great professional i mean uh, alicia i've just noticed over the years that you're a sophisticated leader like when you're working through these challenges as a coordinator, there's a lot of similarities that I see in our division manager ranks. Mm-hmm. You know, for you to be able to develop those, I'm just excited to be part of a company where running an office is not the only place you can experience that type of growth and satisfaction in terms of leading people. So yeah, thanks for being a pioneer in that and for continuing that. And for, for when I say a pioneer, carving a path to show other uh, young moms and career women, how they can have this and kind of have their cake and and eat it too. Are there any other shout outs you want to give to other people that have helped you get here? Yes. Thank you for that opportunity. Cause there's so many, there's so many people that come to mind, but you know, we could be on here for another two hours if I went through the whole list, but I do want to point out a couple people. Like I talked about Mara, I talked about Margot, you know, John Berghoff, I, I gave a shout out John and Hal, you know, they were like rock stars in life, but rock stars in vector when I first started. And it was actually Mara's doing Mara had them drive their motorcycle to my house like a month after I had my daughter. So I was 20 years old, two kids, like like freaking out about everything. And Mara's like, go to her house and hang out with them. And I, if they're listening, like text me if you remember this. <laughs> they showed up on a motorcycle, came to my apartment building, came into the room, and I didn't know them well. I knew I maybe talked to them once. So I'm like, John Bergoff and Hell are coming to my house. Like, <laughs> what I got a cheat, you know? And so they came in and they hung out with me. And Mar- like, I, I thought that was such a big moment for me that they took the time to come visit me and say, Hey, do you need anything? Do you want me to go grocery shopping for you? Do you want me to, you know? And that was so special. So that was a really cool experience. I think about John Roman, you know, when I first started, we, I was fortunate enough to become friends with him right away and be, you know, involved with front row from the beginning. And it's, it's, John taught me a lot of things, but the grateful, something I adapted from him early, you know, the grateful we sit at the dinner table and go around the table and everyone shares what they're grateful for. And that's something I loved from him. He's always coming from a place of abundance and uh, being grateful for everything in his life. So that was somebody that I thought about early on. I was really young, again, never judged, never felt like, you know, like I was being looked 
looked at for having young kids. So he's great friends still to this day. You know, I think about John King, obviously my, I, I feel like we're very similar. We come from a place of love always and relationships are number one. And I learned that from him early on, you know, he would have me come to lunch and I had like numbers ready. I'm like, this is my goal for the year. This is what I sold last year. And he didn't talk about Cutco at all. Like he didn't ask me my numbers. He didn't know my numbers. He's like, I just want to get to know you. And there was just so many times where I'm like, this is the company that I want to be with like forever. Like I'm not going anywhere. I was actually one of those reps that actually never thought about quitting. And it sounds crazy. So I know a lot of people have thought, yeah, right. That's not true. I literally just saw the opportunity here. I've never once wanted to leave and I'm not going anywhere. So it's cool because of people like John, you know, and people that run our company, you know, Dave Bush and the Stip family, they're just all about family and relationships. So it's really, it's a really great place to be. I think about Kareem. Kareem was my first uh, Cutco mentor that uh, helped me with the sales end of it. And Kareem like t- just taught me so much big thinking, you know, doubling, tripling average orders and just um, thinking outside the box always. So I appreciate his guidance and knowledge. Of course, I got to give a shout out to my region manager, Earl Kelly, just giving so many great opportunities for us and always listening to the field and seeing what we need and always being open to everything and just pushing us to be our best. I think it's been really great having him. And then I got to end it with you, Trent. I mean, man, I actually remember when I asked you to be my coach and it was, I don't remember the year, but it was at the CSP summit in Colorado. It was at big Boulder remember that? And I remember everyone's getting sick from like elevation, you know, sickness. We're like, you know, having a Halloween party. And, and I remember Jay Perez actually, which by the way, I should give him a shout out because he's one of my best friends and awesome. But Jay Perez was like, you know, you should talk to Trent. And I remember like being a little scared. I'm like, do you want, you think he'll talk, he'll talk to me? Like what? And um, so I went up to you and you said, I said, you know, I, I talked to Jay, he recommended I talk to you and you know, you're coaching DVMs and district managers. So I'm like, I don't, we'll see how this goes, but you were open to hearing, getting a call with me. And I know, I don't know if at the time you were talking to sales managers or CSPs or not, but I just was like, Oh, great. He, I, even if he doesn't, if he doesn't have time to do the calls, like he's still making time for the first call with me. And, and that was, that was like six years ago I, or seven years ago. It might yeah. be right, yeah. man. So you took me on, you know, you uh, took me as like a student, I would say. And I learned, I mean, so much from you, Trent, like I had some really tough times in my life where I don't think I would have got through like I did without the conversations you and I had, you know, like six years ago, my mom had to have been at least seven years. Yeah. Cause my mom passed away six years ago and I felt obviously very lost. You know, it's still obviously something you don't just get over, but being able to talk to you and not feel judged, not feel like I couldn't cry, not feel like, um, you know, I could just pour my soul out and you heard me and you coached me through like, you know, ways to still survive and be a mom and be, you know, a cutco rep and still like manage my life with all the grief that I was having. And that was because of you. I, I literally didn't have anyone else that I felt like I could talk to the way I talked to you. So I wanted to thank you for that. That was, that's very special. But also now being able to talk to you and coach with you, I'm learning so much how to be a better coach myself you know, so I'm able to take on more mentees and, and just manage people lead better because of all the tools and skills that you've taught me over the years. So you're, I want to end with you because you've been like a very instrumental uh, person in my, in my cut career and in, in my life, really. Yeah. In and out. So thanks for everything you wow. do. I, I appreciate that. It's very, very kind. 
and the reality is a number of CSPs have asked to work. And my, my mandate is not necessarily working with CSPs. It is to work with divisions and, and district managers uh, to be able to kind of get them to the next level, of course, hoping that they'll pay it forward as well and lead their CSP teams better, et cetera. But, uh, you know, working with you has just been a, a highlight for me, for sure. I mean, and, and so much of the time when you're, when you get to mentor somebody or coach somebody, they remind you of great things that you know already, but it's also a great reminder, you know, and then I get the benefit of, of insight that you get. I get to benefit from uh, as well. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. Alicia, if you think about what are you most excited about going forward? So we're here in 2020, what does the future hold for for Vector, for events, for women in Vector, for Alicia? Yeah, man, that's so exciting to think about. I think about like my clan, you know, my fellow CSPs, you know, like uh, Michelle Keenan-Daverin and Stacey Barton, Dave Juba, Brennan Wynn, like Josh Resizer. There's so many people, Brennan Duran. We've become like family, which is really special because the relationships we've been building here at Vector are going to be forever relationships. Like we, we all know we're going to be friends forever, no matter what. But to be at a place in our business right now where Vector is in is such a good place, you know, I've seen a lot. We've been through a lot as a company. And right now I feel like is the best place I've ever seen it. I feel like they're pouring so much time and money and energy into the sales field as well, because they see what we're doing, you know, million dollar shippers. Like that's amazing. Like back when I started 150 grand was like a million dollar shipper. So (laughs) that's, we've come a really, really long way. And there's so many amazing programs in place. So I'm just excited about the CSP future. The event program is just phenomenal. And exploding the federal program, which I'm very, very excited about. And really I, the women in Vector you talked about, you know, we've tried so many different things, Facebook pages, calls, and, you know, groups. And there's definitely something that's emerging. Little places all over the country, are women are getting together and building these like communities. And I, I see it in the next couple of years of all coming together and having a big Vector community of uh, all the women in Vector, which is really exciting. And even just myself, just trying to build more mentees, more females in our business, help them get to their professional level, whether whether it's in management or not. I know that the Vector program works so well, whether you're in management or in the sales. I push all the girls that are 18, 19 to go open a branch. I mean, you got to do this. Like That is actually one thing I always regretted a little bit to have that experience because I've seen what it does for other people. But yeah, I think we're the sky's the limit with Vector. We're in such a great position. We're supported more now than ever. And personally, I think it's more of the uh, the coaching consulting is the thing I'm most excited about right now. Nice. Yeah. And wow. of course, continuing to have like my best years ever year after year is very exciting CPO wise. <laughs> we should throw that out there that you've had repeated best year, best year into best year. And uh, I'm excited that you're going to be able to expand that uh, influence into more coordinators, more women, more leaders. Uh, male or female uh, into the future. So thanks for spending some time with us today, Alicia. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And Dan, thank you for this podcast. I enjoy listening to them and I think it's really special. So thanks for having me. Take us home, Dan. All right, Trent, I'll take it home. But first I have to wipe the smile off my face because that was just such a great conversation. I did not know the details of Alicia's story before hearing this conversation. And I'm just so proud to hear what she's accomplished. And of course, I'm proud to be a part of a company that could create an environment in which Alicia and others could really thrive. It was cool for her to talk about how, you know, she wanted to get to 150,000 in career sales before, you know, taking on a role as a manager. And then that became 250. And then she just found that the flexibility of the sales rep position enabled her to have ideal life balance. And as a single mom, that's hard to come by. 
But what's often missing from the role of an individual contributor is the leadership impact. And Alicia has been able to find that in her roles as events coordinator and now national consultant and through the mentoring programs and serving as a national cross trainer. And, you know, as with almost every story on this podcast, Alicia overcame some significant personal challenges to get to where she is now. And the achievers in life all have some of that. They don't get to the top of the mountain by being dropped there. They climb, sometimes they fall, but they keep going until they get to their goals. Virtually every story on this podcast has had some element of that. And I can say, as with every single story on this podcast, Alicia has had tremendous support from her work family. If you're in Vector, take advantage of that aspect and never underestimate the true value of the people you have a chance to be around. And if you're not in Vector, one of the most important things you can do in your workplace is to create that sort of supportive, encouraging team culture. Hey, thanks to Trent Booth for guest hosting today with his longtime mentee and friend, Alicia Anderer. Thanks to you for listening and for supporting the podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.